0: Good morning, it is really good to be with all of you, an honor to be here, a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Japhet told you a story about rhubarb pie, if you were not here, I'd like to, one, review the story, and if you are here, I'd like to confirm some things and correct some things. He skipped some details I would like to let you know about today. A group of us were, in fact, in Portland, Oregon at a restaurant called Mother's. And I understand many of you have been there, yes? Three of you, awesome. When we walked in, j immediately noticed a display full of pies, crisps, and other things. And he stood in front of it, shaking like a child. Excited. The temptation was too great. He asked our server when we sat down, may I have a rhubarb pie? The server said, appropriately, as an appetizer? And he said, yes. Minutes later, the manager came out and asked this question, which one of you ordered the rhubarb pie? It was like your third grade teacher walking into the room and asking, who messed up? And of course, all of us pointed at j and said, he did. Now, the manager then said, as he reported to you, how dare you, how dare you order the rhubarb pie? As if this is, this is not for you. And we told you this story. This is the part I'd like to correct. He said, I shrank in fear Those are his actual words. Sam just wilted and shrank in fear. I am offended. Not so. I rose to defend my friend. I looked at that manager and I said, ma'am, I told him not to order the rhubarb. (laughs) That temptation was too much Japheth to bear. Today you begin a series entitled Citizenship. It is three weeks talking about Joseph, about how to be moral and ethical when you're a slave, about how to keep hope when you're in tough circumstances, about how to use power for good once you escape tough circumstances. Today's text, as read by Vern, takes us to the scene where Joseph is tempted by Potiphar's wife. And there's some really important lessons for us to learn from this story. Joseph, as we know from the children's story now, went from being favored son to being sold into slavery by his jealous brothers. He was good as dead as, as, as we know from the story. When his, his coat was taken to his father, he assumed, my son is dead. He sold to an Egyptian named Potiphar, He does well in Potiphar's house, and eventually is put in charge of all the affairs of Potiphar's house. But then one day, Potiphar's wife takes notice of Joseph. And the Bible, what you read, what you heard today, I don't know what version you're using, but it's very direct. (laughs) The Bible actually uses these words to describe Joseph. Did you notice? He was well-built and handsome. Both. You can be well-built apparently, but not handsome. Or handsome, but not well-built. Some of us are both. (laughs) If you're a woman, you came today with a man, turn to him right now and say, baby, you're both. (laughs) And that may be the best thing that happened today in church. This woman says to him, says to Joseph, Would you like some rhubarb pie? (laughs) Some of you, after turning to that one next to you today, may get some rhubarb pie after church. Too much. The Bible also says that she spoke to Joseph day after day. This was a continuous temptation. It wasn't like a one-time thing. It was a constant, constant temptation. But Joseph refused. And because he refused, he was punished and sent to prison. Here's the lessons. Number one, run from rhubarb pie. Number one, just do it. Avoid rhubarb pie. Number two, we'll spend more time on number two. Trust God like God did for Joseph. God will never give you more than you can handle, and God will eventually reward you with a reconciled family and you'll be vindicated and handed the keys to a kingdom. Amen? I'm gonna say all this again in case some of you may throw this preacher's second point into question. And I hope you do. Trust God just like Joseph did, and God will never give you more than you can handle. And eventually you will be vindicated Your family will be reconciled, and you'll be handed the keys to a kingdom. Amen? The problem is it doesn't always turn out this way, does it? There are plenty of stories in Scripture where someone did the right thing, and it didn't turn out like it did for Joseph. So let's let's spend a couple of seconds on my first statement. God will never give you more than you can handle. True and false. False true in this way god does give us this instruction from paul no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind we know this and god is faithful he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear but when you are tempted he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it paul is writing to the people of corinth the people of corinth were wealthy it was a port city Very well known in Greece, it was a hub for business and trade. They had money, lots of temples, lots of markets, lots of hiking trails, a big university in town, lots of coffee shops, ski areas nearby, lots of sin happening, and lots of rhubarb pie. To live like a Corinthian was a saying. Live like a Corinthian meant, "Mm, you're living drunk and having lots of rhubarb, So when Paul writes to the Corinthians in the city, he knows he's writing to mostly pagans trying to leave an old life, to live a life of the Corinthian. So he wants them to develop self-discipline. He knows they're going to be tempted. He hopes they will avoid sin, especially the sins of idolatry and sexual immorality. So he says to them, you're going to be tempted. God will always be faithful and he'll always give you a way out of your temptation. Sam Millen author of The Daily Walk for this week, wrote on Wednesday, I love how he put it, he said, we are never told whether or not Joseph was even attracted to Potiphar's wife. Joseph's decision to resist an affair with a married woman was not based on any type of cost-benefit analysis. He tells Potiphar's wife the specific reasons he couldn't do what she wanted. He would not betray his his master's trust, not because he wanted yet another reward, but because he viewed the trust placed in him and the responsibility given to him as a sacred calling. Joseph's loyalty to Potiphar was a result. It was a fruit. It was a result of his loyalty to God. God gives us a way out. And the more we practice this way out, the better we get at choosing against immorality. Paul's saying, everyone's going to be tempted. Even Jesus was tempted. And with temptation, we'll always have a choice. Temptation is inevitable. God will always provide a way out. My problem is fire hot Cheetos. Anyone else? Fire hot Cheetos. Did you know that the, the Cheetos, along with all the other Doritos and Fritos and Mins and whatever stuff, at the exit, at the whatever store you're at, it could be Home Depot, it could be Safeway, it could be Whole Foods, wherever you shop. That little stack of food is a $9 billion industry. I add to it every single time I go to the store. So they've, so, so they've figured that if they can get you to spend at least 20 seconds in line, you're 50% more likely to pick something up from that stack and buy it. I will always get fire hot Cheetos. No questions asked. And I'll be mad as I'm doing it. I told someone at Home Depot, the Home Depot, um, the other day as I was, said, I'm buying stuff that's even related. Why do you even have food here? And they said, you don't have to shop here, man. You can just go to Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> Which is true. We can't just go to Amazon. There's always a way out. You don't have to pick up the stuff. There's an industry designed to tempt us. And they get better and better at it. And our job is to get better and better at saying no, and looking for the way out that God has given us. I worked for 21 years with young adults who would always say, pastor, it's just too hard to prevent, to avoid. Do you get it now? I'm using rhubarb. I thought I'd use rhubarb as a word the children wouldn't have to hear the other one, but Vern just read it from scripture. Come have sex with me. So I'm going to keep using rhubarb instead of sex. Is that okay? Okay, awesome. And by the way, Pastor Japheth actually had rhubarb pine, not actually, anyway. <laughs> so my students would always say to me, Pastor, the rhubarb is just so tempting, we just cannot avoid it. I'm like, well, what kind of situations are you putting yourself in? If you go back to your dimly lit apartment, you get some warm blankets, and you fire up Netflix, that's gonna lead to a lot of rhubarb. If you go to Denny's, with 24 hours, well-lit, people around you, you'll never have a problem with rhubarb. They don't sell rhubarb there. <laughs> Some of you are probably going to have to listen to this again to catch everything that's going on. <laughs> I thought I was being obvious, but maybe not. There's always going to be a way out. This is the promise of Paul, and it's a promise that God has always given us, and this is what happened with Joseph on that day. The false part is this. God will never give you more than you can bear. Is that true? Maybe true about temptation, but here's what we have done and I know this is going to feel and sound like we've taken a little bit of a detour and we will because I think it's important. We've used this statement to apply it also to suffering. God did not cause Joseph's suffering. God did not cause Joseph to be sold into slavery. God did not cause Joseph to be uh, abused by his slave owner. God did not cause Joseph to be thrown into prison. All of Joseph's suffering was not caused by God. And what we do sometimes when we say, God will not give you more than you can bear, is that we say God is not just, not only just doing the suffering, like applying the suffering to you, but he's also tempting you at the same time. I, you know, had a friend who went through an incredible painful tragedy sent me some of the examples of the well-meaning people who emailed him some graphics you have these cody show them a few this is what we do to people god will never give you more than you can handle and this on the surface looks like a hopeful like a yeah but it but we we never think of it as a escape from temptation we think of it as a hey you're suffering god has a Metric by which he has decided that you can handle it. So your job is to endure it and make it through it. Show him the next one. I love this one. Uh, I won't give you more, more than you can handle, more than you can take. Spelled incorrectly. And I might let you bend, but I won't let you break. Have you seen this one? Well-meaning. Show him the next one, would you? God will give you enough to challenge you, but not too much to overwhelm you. We mean well when we say this but it's a half truth because when we say it to each other we're talking about suffering we mean to give a person who's going through some kind of suffering comfort and strength and strengthen their faith but if we're honest and think about it how do you say God will never give you more than you can handle just bend just he's gonna bend enough how do you say that to the family of the victim of a shooting And how do you say that to the father, the family of the father and daughter who died trying to cross into our country? We've all seen that image. And how do you say that to somebody who has held a loved one who's dying from cancer or some other pestilence of our age? God will not give you more than you can handle. Sounds like God, first of all, is to blame for the problem. Yes, the intent is to instill confidence. But I think what we do most often is, we break people with a statement. And this is really hard, but you can do it. I know you can do it. We know you can do it. God knows you can do it. Otherwise, God wouldn't have given you this problem. It is saying that God inflicts pain, suffering, cancer, disease, abuse, war, tornadoes, flooding, fires, financial ruin. God gave you this horrible, painful, hurtful thing, but he will stop giving it to you uh, as soon as God determines that you've learned lessons that you were supposed to learn. And so right at the breaking point, as you're bending, as that one last one says, as you're, right, right as you break, about to break, God says, enough, they've learned their lesson. But some people break. Does this mean that God miscalculated how far you could, you could bend? And what about when I go see my therapist because there's an issue or brokenness in my life that I know I can't solve on my own? Or when I have to go see a medical professional because I've hit a a dead end? So let me just say it outright, where pain and suffering are concerned, where pain and suffering are concerned, I do not believe that God does that. The Bible is full of suffering the Bible is full of people who wish suffering upon other people but what the Bible is not full of is people asking God for more suffering even Paul who's known for boasting about suffering Paul who likes to brag about how often he's been flogged and beaten and shipwrecked and lashed and in danger even Paul never blames God for his suffering over and over again what he says is God Can use this God never Paul never says God did this God can use this because we're gonna face adversity we're gonna face temptation we're gonna face hardships we may struggle with all kinds of things in this world but God will never give you more than hand you can handle is a half-truth it's actually about temptation not about suffering So here's the whole truth. You want to hear it? A whole truth. God will help us handle all that we are going through. God will give us a way out of temptation. And God will be with us in our suffering. Even if it doesn't turn out like Joseph's story. With our family reconciled. Vindicated with the keys to running an entire nation. The promise of the Bible is that it's not that we're not going to suffer or that we're not going to be tempted. It is that God will be with us through all these things. My trust is not that God won't give us more than we can bear. It is that God will be with us through all of this. My wife and I, we... My wife and I have this beautiful child, she's talented, godly, she has a great sense of humor, sweet, she's beautiful. This summer she's working at Glacier View Ranch. And then we have this other child. I'm joking, he's awesome too. And he's probably here right now listening to me. I can't see you, but I know you're here, buddy. I love you too, but he's been in trouble from day one. From the moment he discovered sugar, he's woken up every day of his life with one goal, get more sugar. I remember the day when he was not even able to walk. I found him hanging in our pantry. We had hidden the sweets high above where he could find them, I walked into our kitchen just randomly one day and he's hanging from the top shelf because he knew that's where you guys put the sugar. That's where you put. He's hanging from his, the tips of his finger going, help, 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 <laughs> I had to rescue him. And when I rescued him, I didn't say, what were you thinking? What were you thinking? I'm going to punish you for this. I thought it was hilarious. I was like, don't do it. If you fall from there, you could fall to your death. I don't want you to be hurt. Uh, Micah spent um, days and days of his life trying to open the magic box in the kitchen from where the cookies came, the oven. And he would figure out how to get his hand up there and he would pull it and then he would dig around there. Where are the cookies? Where are the cookies? And we'd tell him, buddy, if you keep reaching in there, one day you're going to reach in there, you're going to burn your arm, your hand. It's not going to be good. So stop doing that. Well, temptation was too great. Like Japheth, he could not stand. And one day, I got a call from my wife. She said, well, you better come to the ER because it has happened. I brought a picture. Cody, would you show him the picture I brought? There he is, yeah. I know. Oh, this, this is... Hmm. What a great reaction. That's exactly what I wanted you to feel. (laughs) So yeah, he went to the magic box from where the cookies come. He was tempted beyond what he could bear. He opened the box, reached in there, and he got himself some pretty nasty burns. I wish when I got home that I could somehow remove this consequence from his life in this suffering from his life because it was days and days and weeks of real painful, excruciating consequence bearing. And Instead of saying to him, did you learn your lesson? Who's right about that box thing now? Instead of saying to him, yeah, I gave you more than you could bear and apparently you went right past that line. Stupid kid. No, instead, I scooped him into my arms, and I held them and I rocked him, and I loved him. And I told him, what I mean for you is your well-being, your health. What I mean for you is to be safe from all these things. I cannot protect you from all of it. You're going to be tempted. Today, it may be a magic box in the kitchen you think the cookies come from. Tomorrow, it'll be, it'll be way bigger things. There's always going to be a way out. And I'm always going to be here for you. I'm going to be here to pick up the pieces when you're broken. I'm going to love you through your suffering. I'm only going to prevent the suffering from happening because I cannot do that. But I will never inflict the suffering upon you. One day, Jesus, in the opening sermon of his ministry, is standing in front of the people trying to describe the Father. And he's basically telling them, if you really knew the Father, your hearts would melt. If you knew him like I knew him, you have heard things about him that are not true. Let me tell you what he's like. Ah, he's like a good dad. Like which one of you? You who are tainted and not great. You who are sinful. You fathers know how to love your, your, your kids. Which one of you would give your kid a stone instead of a piece of bread if he asks you? Which one of you goes to the field, finds a snake, puts it in your pocket, and then goes home, and when your son says, to your child says to you, mm, I would like something to eat, Dad, you, you hand them a snake instead of food. Which one of you would do that? None of you would do that. How much more will your father in heaven who is perfect in his love for you give you good things. Here's a lesson for today. Yeah, temptation. We're all going to face it. And as the band comes forward, this is your cue band, your subtle cue now. (laughs) Maybe the the lesson I would wish to leave leave with you is this, that God merciful, loving. The one that Jesus describes at the end of his Sermon on the Mount. The one that he wants us to know. The one that will melt our hearts if he really knew his character. God wants to prevent the pain and the agony and the suffering we could go through if we just, if we give in to the temptations of our day. But if we are tempted... And we give in and we suffer the consequences of our actions. God is with us. God will hold us. God will tell us that God loves us. God will rock us. He'll point at that thing that causes the pain and say, don't do it again. Don't do it again. Don't suffer the third degree burns. I will nurse you and remind you how much I love you and how much I want the well-being in your life to be healthy and for you to grow strong and this is the kind of god we serve may you be blessed as you meditate on the life of joseph and what it means to be a citizen of this great kingdom amen